Hello, and welcome to the New Beginnings Discipleship Ministry Podcast. Here, we share the Word of God for all people to understand that they are born on purpose, for a purpose, and with purpose. A desire is for everyone to not just know what their purpose is, but to live it out. We believe we are designed to live out a kingdom lifestyle that aligns to the kingdom of God and the word of God. Now go ahead and grab something to write with, make room wherever you are at, and prepare your heart, mind, and soul for another amazing word from God. Here we go. Hallelujah. Man, what? It, I think something's wrong with their praisers. Lord, can you help their praisers be healed in Jesus? Let me say a quick prayer. Because y'all praisers are broken, amen? So, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, I don't know what's restraining the praise. But, Father, we're going to lift your name on high. You are great. You are worthy. Worthy to be praised, Lord. We thank you for opening our eyes this morning. Giving us the very ability of our limbs, oh God. Father, the ability to breathe, to think, to move, to have our being. And it is in you, Lord God, that we have all these things. So, Father, we will give you the glory. We will give you the honor and we will give you the praise because you're worthy, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Father. And amen. Y'all did a little bit better. I mean, it's November. I heard more shouting during the birthday celebrations than I did for the Lord. My God, what is going on? Hallelujah, hallelujah. All right, are y'all ready for some word today? Okay, I'm going to go home. (laughs) Let me ask this side. Are y'all ready for some word today? Let me ask this side. Are y'all ready for some word today? See, that's what I'm talking about. That's a little better. Now I'm going to ask y'all together. Are y'all ready for some word today? That's what I'm talking about. We got to understand that God enjoys our praise. Did y'all know that? He actually enjoys us giving him praise. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid and my daddy would say to me, good job, baby, keep it going. Or my mom would, you know, applaud me for something that I did. I enjoyed it. It made me feel good. And God has feelings too. Did we know that? He enjoys it when we say, God, we love you. God, we bless you. Lord, we lift your name. He loves it. Especially when we say, hallelujah. That's the highest praise. So we got to learn how to praise them. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We are going to continue on with our sermon series on Mantled for More. Hallelujah. And so our scripture, we're going to read 1 Kings 19. We're not going to get deep into 1 Kings 19, but I need us to be reminded as to why we're having this conversation to begin with. Amen. So 1 Kings 19, 1 Kings 19, if you have your Bibles, grab it, pick it up, amen, let's open them up. If you uh, have your notebooks, please pull them out. There's going to be a lot of scripture, you guys, a lot of words. See, y'all should have been like, hallelujah, right there, because I'm not just talking about some theoretical stuff, right? I'm talking about the word of God, hallelujah, amen, we're going to do better today, amen, All right, 1 Kings 19, 1 Kings 19. If you have it, say amen. If you don't have it, say wait for me. If you're going to cheat and just look at the screen, say hallelujah. (laughs) 
That's what I'm talking about. Amen. All right. First Kings 19, and it reads, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also. If I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. Then he looked and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, arise and eat because the second, I'm sorry, arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank and he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elisha? So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. So it was then when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elisha? And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they seek to take my life. Then the Lord said to him, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Hazael as king over Syria. Also, you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over, as king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. It shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, Jehu will kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. So he departed from there and found Elisha the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he was the 12th. 
Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, please let me kiss my father and my mother. Then I'll follow you. And he said to him, go back again. For what have I done to you? So Elisha turned back from him, took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people. And they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. So we're going to continue on with our journey about understanding what it means to be mantled for more. Amen. Let us pray. Most gracious and heavenly Father, we come before you today, Lord, thanking you and praising you for you being God and God all by yourself. We thank you, Lord, that you have been with us every part of this service, Father. Your presence can tangibly be felt, and we bless you, God. Father, you chose to come and to make yourself known in this house, not only to us, but within us to help us to understand and recognize that we have been mantled for more, that you are in us and we are in you. And Father, that you are expecting us to utilize the power, the dominion, that dominating force that you have put inside of us. And so, Lord God, as we begin to learn more about the power that we have been mantled with, that we have been covered with, that we are even protected and sheltered by, Lord God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would open up the eyes of our understanding and let us be enlightened. Break the seal, O God, in the name of Jesus, that as the words are released, Lord God, that we would be able to put the pieces of the puzzle together to see the big picture and not that we are just saved so that we can go to heaven, but that we are here on purpose, for a purpose, and with purpose. So, Lord God, we bless you. We praise you. We thank you. I bind every diabolical plan, every assignment of the enemy to distract the, those who are here, whether they are online, whether they are in the house. Father, I break the enemy's word curses, anything that is being released to try to cause us to not hear what you're saying and be able to apply. So we thank you, Father, for who you are in our lives for who you have been in our past, and even more for what you are about to do in our lives and for the lives of those who are connected to us that we come into contact with, those that you have assigned to us in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father, that we are rising up, Lord God, and that we are here to do what it is that you have called us to do. I thank you for purpose. I thank you for mentorship. I thank you for mentoring us. And I thank you for raising us up out of the muck, out of the mire, out of being lost, out of being overtaken by drugs, alcohol, over being overtaken in our minds. In Jesus' name, Father, you have called us for such a time as this. Hallelujah, Jesus. We praise you. We bless you, God. And we thank you. Hallelujah. Come on, give them some praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo. You know, I, I chose the last song to be the song that we end on every week for a reason. 
Because week after week, we go to stand in this pulpit, and those who stand here, Katrina, wave your hand. Hallelujah. George and Terry usually come up here and give some type of a testimony. And um, O.C. and Kamika and Rhonda and myself. You don't understand that even just coming to get in this pulpit, there is a pressure that tries to apply to shut your mouth and keep you from saying what God has spoken to you. That pressure comes from the enemy. But the thing that we have to understand is that we have been mantled for more. We are called for such a time as this, chosen for such a time as this, to push back on that darkness and to defeat it in the name of Jesus. We have been endowed with everything that we need and then some, you guys. And all we got to do is tap into who is on the inside of us. And it's a lot easier than what we make it to be. If we can get past the fact that we're not going to be perfect all the time, we're not always going to do everything right all the time, there's going to be times where we mess up, but for every mistake, for every mess, there's still a ministry. There's still a ministry, you guys. And there's somebody who's out in the world that looks just like you, making the same mistakes as you. And as you begin to understand how to overcome, how to conquer, how to defeat, God is going to place you in the life of that person to raise them up. I'm sorry. I'm on fire. Hallelujah. So he wants us to recognize that there is a call upon every life that is in here. Say this with me. I was born on purpose, for a purpose, and with purpose. Hallelujah. Now give them praise for your purpose. Yesterday, the people of God went out and they began to serve the homeless and they went out as the dominating force. Some of the things that they have encountered, many of you have never even experienced or you didn't realize that you were. And the amazing thing about it is regardless of what the witches and the warlocks try to do while they're out there, guess what? They keep going week after week after week to let them know your God has no power. We serve the one with all power. In Jesus' name. And so they can, George went with his arm in a sling. Twice now he's been out and still serving. Praise the Lord for the work that you do. Amen. And I needed to recognize you for that because a lot of people would have taken that uh, injury and they would have went and laid down and had a reason. And it's a valid reason to go and not do what God has called them to do. But you have pushed past every block, every hindrance, everything that has tried to stop you, everything that has tried to come in front of you to cause you to step to the side. But God said, this day, this hour, I have called you. I am raising Romanda Yarasso. I am raising you up. He said, stop going backward in your head. He said, because you start to recount some things just to see where it is that I brought you from. He says, but greater is what is coming. Greater is coming to you. Greater is coming to you. Greater is coming for you. He says, the word is going to begin to open up to you in ways that you never thought that it could. As you read the word, you're going to see how it applies with what it is that I'm calling you to. You shall open the eyes of the blind. You shall see limbs grow out. You shall see the sick recover right in front of your eyes. Miracles, signs, and wonders follow you. And that's been a prayer that you've not even really talked about to no one else. Lord, let miracles flow. He says it's coming 
now is the time. Hallelujah. And understand that had you have chosen not to be consistent in what he is doing with you, that would have negated it and delayed it. But it's because you have chosen to continue to move forward in faith, regardless of what has come your way, that he recognizes that he can trust you with more. Come on, give him some praise. Hallelujah. Now, on last week, we completed part one of this three-part sermon series. Now, I know that I'm telling you that it's a three-part sermon series, and it really is, but each part I can't get through in the allotted time because y'all know at one o'clock, y'all check out. At one o'clock, y'all eyes start wondering, what are we going to eat when we leave the church? Oh my gosh, I've got 17 loads of laundry, and if ain't nobody got laundry to do, come do mine. Hallelujah. But the reality is this, I can only feed you so much before your eyes start bouncing like this and your mind goes somewhere else because it starts get, becoming overwhelming with all that's being shared. So it really is a three-part sermon series, but I can't complete it unless I keep y'all here for a little longer. So I'm going to respect you and not keep you here for very long periods of time. I'm going to stay within the allotted time. Amen. But we are going to take part two, which is starting today. Last week was the continuation of part Amen. So y'all catching on. So part two, we're going to begin today. And then next week, we're going to finish out part two, because there's no way we're going to get through all of those characteristics of the mantle. I don't want to do that to y'all, because what will happen is you'll only remember like three of them, and that'll be it. Amen. Amen. So we're going to cover a lot of ground today as we're going to look at the endowments that are within the mantle so that we can better understand why mantles are necessary today. Amen. Now here's the problem. Cessationism is being taught and it's causing many followers of Jesus Christ to fail because of disbelief in the existence and the operation of heaven's officers or his apostles, his prophets, his teachers. It also teaches that the manifestation of Holy Spirit is no longer in operation, which includes the giftings such as prophecy, miracles, healings, speaking in tongues, all that comes with being a believer in Jesus Christ. And mantleship ended with the apostles. This is what cessation is teaching. Yet the Bible speaks contrary of this theory in Jesus' name. Mark 16, 17 through 20 says, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will, they shall cast out demons. They will, they shall speak with new tongues. They will, they shall take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and he sat down on the right hand of God. And they went out and they preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. Now that word signs, accompanying signs is the Greek word semion, which means to give a sign. It is the mark of something, the indication of, or that by which a person or a thing is distinguished from others and is known. 
In other words, your mantleship, your spiritual capabilities or endowments are your proof to the world or your proof to those who don't believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he rose from the dead. He defeated the devil, his father's enemy, and what he instituted before he left on the planet. Before he left and, and he went on and sat down at the right hand of God, what he instituted is still in operation and is still available today to everyone who believes. Say it again with me. I am born on purpose, for a purpose, and with purpose. Say it with me. I am mantled for more. Come on and give them some praise. Hallelujah. Now I'm going to teach here just for a moment because so many people are missing the best part of being in the world right now because of this erroneous teaching. We are those followers that he's talking about. He said those who believe. He didn't say if Apostle Stephanie believes. He didn't say if Pastor O.C. believes. He said those who believe these signs shall fall. If you believe, then this happens. So we got to understand that God's plan for man and God's plan of sending Jesus to the earth, dying on the cross, giving up his life for us, which is something we're so thankful for, allowing him to go to hell to defeat the enemy, and then rising again so that he could come and show himself as alive and well. His plan is so that after Jesus left, after he had conquered the enemy, took the keys from death and hell so that we could have Holy Spirit here on the planet and we could be endowed with or mantled with the gifts that we need to complete whatever it is that we are purposed to do here in the earth. Are y'all with me? 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Ignorant means you don't know, you don't have an understanding, or to err or sin through a mistake, to be wrong. Spiritual gifts are a part of mantleship, y'all. It should be a normal practice for us as believers to allow Holy Spirit to operate in and through us. This is why we got to stop calling Holy Spirit something or portraying him as a feeling. He should speak to us and operate through us because we are mantled for more. Have you noticed that even in worship that we find ourselves kind of stuck? What's happening is people don't understand that we've shifted out of just having a feeling of God that moves us into a place where we come in, we worship, and we cry all the time, to now having a shout of victory, having a declaration and a decree of who God is in our lives, who he is in our situation, who he is in our circumstance. No longer are we sitting around crying about what the devil did and letting everybody know that the devil did this, the devil did that. Instead, we are shouting, proclaiming, declaring, and decreeing, Jesus Christ is Lord. And we will, shall overcome anything that tries to get in our way. 
So no longer are we just sitting here, oh God, crying the whole time. God sits in the congregation of the mighty. Hallelujah. Now in John 14, verses 15 through 18, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor does it know him. But you know him for he dwells where? He dwells where? Within you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Now, I talked about this last week about how we project what our natural father has done to us because he wasn't in our lives or a person who was authority that should have been where they were supposed to be in our lives, but they weren't where they were supposed to be. So we're running around with this orphan spirit. Now, here's what we need to understand. Who was the first orphan in the Bible? Who? Jesus? No, it wasn't. It wasn't. He had a mom and dad. Who? Moses was not the first one. Adam was not the first one. It was Satan. Y'all never thought about that, did you? God was his father. God disowned him. He no longer had a father after that. So now here's what he's doing. He's running around and making sure that each and every one of us feels what he feels. Have you ever been around somebody like that? Where they are in a bad mood, they're in a funky mood, and they come into the spot, blow it up with their bad attitude and their bad feelings that they've got for everybody else, and next minute, you know, you start feeling a little off. This is why we can't keep playing pity pat with the devil, y'all. As long as we're sitting here, one day we with the devil and next day we with Jesus, we're going to continue to have that orphan spirit be attached to and a part of us. Jesus said, I will not leave you orphans. I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. He said, even those he's a father to the fatherless, you got to understand it don't matter how you got here. It only matters that you are here. Hallelujah. So he dwells in us, you guys. He dwells in us. And this is confirmation of Luke 17, 21, where Jesus said, for behold, the kingdom of God is where? It's in us. Again, confirming 1 John 4 and 4. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them because what? Y'all are so lost right now. I need y'all. Can y'all look at the screen? Hallelujah. It, it, can y'all look over there? It's on the wall. <laughs> I've been saying it for the last five months. First John 4 and 4 says what? You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because what? So where is Holy Spirit? He is in us. Where is the kingdom of God? So the kingdom is in you. Holy Spirit is in you. Jesus is in you. Now, if the kingdom is in you, Jesus is there and Holy Spirit is there. Who else is in there? God the Father. He's in each and every one of us. This is why when we're out in the world, people should be shaken up when you walk in if they're not walking with Jesus Christ. While Rhonda and I were in Israel, we walked in to go grab some dinner with a whole group of people who went with us to Israel. And when we walked in, 
I hear these women talking. And they were talking about, she's one of them. I can just tell. And you could hear them. They were talking loud enough so that we could hear them, but I didn't know who they were talking about. Finally, they said, ma'am. And I said, yes. She said, you. Me? Yeah, you. Are you a Christian? I said, yes, I am. I lit up. We're in Israel. Someone recognized I'm a Christian. They didn't automatically assume I was a Jew. Yes, I am a Christian. And she said, see, I told you she's one of them. The girl said, well, how do you know? She said, I can just tell. Do you know they seated us next to them? I'm on the side that they're on. They got up and moved tables. If the kingdom is within you, it should irritate the enemy where he no longer even wants to stay around you. If the devil continues to bother you, what's going on with your kingdom? Did we ever think about that? What's going on with your kingdom? Many of us are having issues on our job. Many of us are having issues with people who are around us because when we walk in there, they get irritated because of what is in you. The kingdom of darkness cannot stand the light that's in you. Because every time you come around, you remind them of what they don't have. You have light. All they have is darkness. Never thought about it, did we? My God. You're mantled for more, you guys. You're wrapped in power, clothed in strength, covered and protected by the blood of Jesus. He is calling us to accomplish so much more. Now, I know that there are people who would say, whether you're online or even in the house, that the conversation in John 14 was only for the apostles that he was addressing at that time. But if we keep reading, come on down to verse 23 with me. Let's take a look at this together. I need us to understand so that we can shut down the lies of the devil in our mind. I have to establish that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is within you. And it comes with those who are a part of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, which is God, the father, Jesus, the son and Holy Spirit. Verse 23 says, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the father and he will give you another helper that he might abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, I just realized I did not put on verse, that is verse 20, no, it's not verse 23, is it? Hold on, pull it up. Oh, see, is, is it saying what I'm saying? That's not verse 23. No, I need y'all to read that for me. Thank Hallelujah. But did you notice what it said? Anyone who what? Loves me. So this was not just for the apostles that he was speaking to at that time. It says, anyone who loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our. Do y'all see the proof? Does everybody see the word of God? So who is on the inside of you? Jesus, God, and Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Is everybody with me? I told you I'm going to teach this thing. Amen. Now in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 through 8, Jesus told them to go and wait for this promise. 
Is it up on the screen so y'all can see that I'm not making this up? Because we got to understand this in order to recognize that there was a shift in the way that the Lord mantled people. Back then, they wore the mantle so that people could recognize it. Today, we would wear a robe and people recognize, or if I have on my collar, my black shirt with the collar, people recognize that I belong to Christ's kingdom, supposedly. Supposedly. Understand that this Halloween at Evangelist Lachelle's job, homeboy walked in with the exact same red robe that I have on, representing who? The kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of darkness. So we have to understand that it's the signs that follow us, not just our profession, not just how we're clothed, not just wearing a mantle that people can see. But you're going to be able to see that it's more of a spiritual thing. All right. So Jesus told them to go and to wait for the promise. And it says, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father which he said, you have heard from me, for truly John baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the world and to the ends of the earth. Amen. Depending on which version you are reading. Now, here's what we've got to understand. By us receiving Jesus as our Lord and Savior, making that confession, he then enters into us the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is now where? Within us. But we are also, after we receive the baptism of Holy Spirit, endowed with what? Power. Now remember, in the beginning when we started talking through Genesis in Bible study, what did we learn? That we were placed in the earth to do what? Be the dominating force in the earth. Am I right? We use the word dominion twice within Genesis 1 when he created Adam and Eve and we are all descendants of who? Adam and Eve, right? Because it, that's where it all began, amen? And he says that with this power, we're supposed to go to Jerusalem and share the word of God. Jerusalem is actually defined as set ye double peace. Now, Jerusalem was their home. So what the Lord is trying to help us to understand is that the first place we've got to dominate, the first place we've got to use our mantles is within our home. If there is no peace in your home, there is something wrong with the use of your mantle. You are not applying what God has endowed you with. You are not utilizing what God has given you to take by force all that the enemy is using against you. You should have double peace right within your home. Amen? So the second one is, um, Jerusalem, I'm sorry, not Jerusalem, but Judea. So Judea means he shall be praised. Now understand that Judea is the people of Judah. And what happened is after the king kept messing up, God went on and let another king come and overtake them. They got exiled to Babylon. To Babylon. And then what ended up happening is they um, were stuck there in bondage for many years. So he said, preach this to Judea. But here's what we've got to understand. 
If Judea has been exiled, it's our responsibility to go to those who have been exiled, those who have gone away from God, those who are no longer sitting in peace, those who no longer understand that they are endowed with power so that they can come back to the kingdom of God and then they can go back and get the rest of them. We got to understand the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That word actually means he shall be praised. So even in my worst circumstance, even in my worst uh, situation, I will praise him all the more in Jesus' name. Then comes Samaria. Jesus uh, said in John 4 and 4 that he must needs to go. That's how he said it. That was some Ebonics if you ever heard it. He said, I must needs go to Samaria. And he went to Jacob's well where he encounters the Samaritan woman at the well. And she became one of the greatest evangelists listed in the Bible, you guys. Understand that when people encounter us, it should cause them to jump up and run out and say, come see about a man who told me all about everything about me that was ever known. And guess what? He let me know that there is a hope. There is a future, a plan for me to prosper, a way for me to get beyond where I'm at. That is what happens when you encounter the kingdom. The Bible says in John 4 and 39 that many people, because of the Samaritan in the city, believed on Jesus Christ because of what she said, because of her testimony. So Samaria actually represents a watch mountain or guardianship. We are to guard. We are the protectors, the preservers, the entrusted people with the message of what Jesus Christ has done for each and every one of us. So again, those encounters should shift people's lives. And then he says we're to go to the end or the uttermost parts of the earth. That means last in time or last in place. It's the Strong's um, Greek word eschatos, which is where we get the word eschatology. So this was to continue on. That endowment, the release of the giftings, the power was to continue on until the very end end of this world so there is no cessation y'all so that whole lie that's being sold by those who don't believe the word of God we've got to change our mindsets be ye transformed renew our minds so that we are able to operate because that lie is stopping us from exerting the power that he has endowed us with it says they went back to Jerusalem as the Lord instructed them to and notice who was there. In Acts 1 and 14, it says, these all continued talking about the apostles with one accord in prayer and supplication. And look at who else was there. And who else? Mary and who else? And with his brethren, but does it not say with the women and Mary? Oh, so... They, they told me shut my mouth and not to be up here in this pulpit. After Jesus died, I was able to come into the upper room and be praying alongside of them. Do you understand the Jews still pray separate from their wives? Their wives are kept separate. They'll go to um, temple for teaching and the wives stay at home. Do y'all see this? I'm just wondering if women understand that they can, they can wear their mantles too. I have a right to be in the position that I'm in. I have a right to speak and share about the love of Jesus Christ. 
I have a right to shepherd the people just like Deborah did. My God. Then we see them all filled with Holy Spirit and filled with gifts. Acts 2, 1 through 4 says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as, uh, like as fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all, not just the apostles, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, Holy Spirit is who we've been talking about, hitting the planet, being inside of us, Jesus, the kingdom, God, all in us, is everybody with me? Holy Spirit hits the planet, and he sat upon them. Now, if we look at the etymology of the word mantle, it is actually defined of that which enshrouds or covers, something that conceals or is a covering. That is what the mantle did in the Old Testament. It's elusive for symbol of literary authority or artistic preeminence, um, from Elijah's mantle is what it's referencing. Now, it's set upon them like cloven tongues. And that word set is actually cathedzo, which means to sit, write this down, to sit, to set, appointed them. Here's my favorite. To confer a kingdom on one. Good job taking a picture of that, y'all. Did y'all catch that? Did y'all catch what I just said? I'm going to say it again because I don't know about you, but I started shouting right there in my bedroom this morning when I looked at this. To sit, to set, Holy Spirit came to sit, to set, to appoint them, and to confer a kingdom on one. So this lets us know why we have Holy Spirit in our lives. He rested upon them to confer the kingdom to them. So now we are responsible for what? Occupying until Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Say it out loud, Mark. Hallelujah. So he said that we are to occupy until he comes. That word occupy is a military term. That military term means to transact business in the same manner in which I did until I return. So everything that we saw Jesus do, you guys, we have capability to do. We have capability to lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. If anything comes up, it gets done up. We have the power, you guys. Hallelujah. Woo, Jesus. So he conferred the kingdom on them. So those of us who are running around speaking in tongues understand that we've got more than just tongue talking as power. Ephesians 4 and 11 through 16 says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all, till we all, till we all come in the unity of the faith. Is everybody in unity? Apostles are still here. If everybody's not in unity, apostles are still here. It says, and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Does everybody know 
the Son of God? Does everybody know Jesus yet? Oh, so we're all still here. It's not just pastors and teachers, right? Oh, my God. And then it goes on to say, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Has the body of Christ even come close to attaining that? Oh, my. Oh, my. Verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Do you understand cessation theory is nothing more than a theory? It is not doctrine. They're trying to make it doctrine, but it's not. Because everything in my Bible tells me different. By the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive us, talking us out of the power, talking us out of the authority, talking us out of being the the dominating forces that God has called us to be. Which, and then it says, but speaking the truth in love so that we can grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. In other words, we should look like Jesus Christ, you guys. We should operate in the same manner in which he did, and he operated in more than love. He operated in miracles. He operated in signs. He operated in wonders. He operated in power from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. So the real question is, is this what we're seeing in operation today? The answer is no. Do we see miracles, signs, and wonders being emitted from the believers today? that Jesus spoke of in John 14 and 12, where he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. Are we walking in what was given to us, what we've been endowed with? But again, everyone is not mantled to do the same thing. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11 says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So each and every one of us have something in our mantle that we are responsible for dispensing to the world. We are able to utilize this gift, this mantleship that allows us to uh, affect and infect and impact someone else's life. So if we go ahead and we look at some of the characteristics, we'll probably just get through one, but we'll see. There are 14 representations of of mantleship. The characteristics. But I'm only going to list out 12 because a couple of them 
I believe, pretty much say the same thing. So that I grouped them together. But understand that 12 is the number of divine government. Amen? So number one, mantles represent the power of God or God's power. Now, Acts 1 and 8 says, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now, we've already gone over what you're supposed to do with the power, how you're supposed to impact the world, how we're supposed to replicate Jesus Christ. Amen? So we are a representation or a representation of Jesus in the earth. Now, that word power is Strong's G1411, which is dynamis, or dunamis. You can pronounce it that way as well, but in the Greek, it's dynamis. Um, four different Greek words are used in the Bible to represent the English word that we use for power. That is dunamis, exousia, kratos, and iskos. Dunamis, exousia, I still see people writing, kratos, and iskos. Now dunamis, I'm going to come back to because this is what we're empowered with when Holy Spirit comes on us. Exousia, I covered at the beginning of the year two years ago. Many of you are going to need to go back and watch those sermons. Amen? So exousia is the second most prevalent word used to describe power in Scripture. It's used 103 times in the New Testament. And this word represents the power that comes from delegated authority. Matthew 28 and 18. Now, we're founded on 28, 19 through 20, but we have to understand why we're able to do what we're doing, how I can lay hands and impart into someone else. It was delegated unto me, and I'm able to delegate it or impart it into somebody else. Matthew 28 and 18 says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power, all exousia is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. This is what is known as the Great Commission. So again, that word power is exousia. So understand that that delegated authority was given in the garden to Adam, lost through disobedience, regained and redelegated by Christ's death on the cross. Now, 1 John 4, 15 through 17 says, Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in the world. So again, I say to you, do you look like Jesus Christ? The same way that Jesus Christ was in the earth is the same way we are supposed to be in this earth, doing the same things, acting the same way, loving the same way, but also advancing the kingdom in the same way that Jesus did. Kratos represents the power associated with dominion. It's only used 11 times in scripture. And the word kratos is used to describe the power associated with Jesus' triumph on the cross. Now, iskis is used nine times in the New Testament. And this word represents the power behind your physical strength and your inner fortitude. It's called your will. Believe it or not, iskis is one of the strongest parts of a person. 
It's one of the hardest things to defeat. Because once we get something made up in our mind, we will will something into action. We will will it until it happens. Have you ever noticed that if you sit in a place where you believe that you are not powerful, that you will remain powerless until someone comes along and unlocks you? Have you ever noticed that if somebody speaks things over you, tells you that you're stupid, that you're nothing? I remember being in a a domestic violent situation where the person spoke over me so many times until I got to a place that I felt I had no more hope. I felt everything was lost and I was better off dead and started plotting my own demise and had it set up where my sister was supposed to take the money from my um, insurance policy and distribute it amongst my children as if my children had no need of me, even though this man said he didn't. I already assumed that just because this man didn't want me, because of what was spoken over me so many times, that nobody else had need of me either. What would that have done to my children if I would have taken my own life? How would their lives have been impacted by a choice like that because I came into alignment or into agreement with a lie from the enemy? The interesting thing about it is if you look at where I am today, I'm pulling other people out of that same headspace and setting them on the road to destiny. From death to destiny in Jesus' name. The thing about Iskis is that it's our inner fortitude and, and once we get those things made up in our head, we don't stop until it happens. But if we use that same inner fortitude to believe what the Lord has spoken over our lives, to believe what God says about us, to believe that we are more than conquerors, if we use that inner fortitude, that iscus, to believe that we are more than conquerors, you guys, that we are above only and never beneath, the head and not the tail, then we can conquer everything that comes our way. Mark 12 and 30 says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. That is the word iscus. Now, dunamis is the most prevalent. It's used 117 times in the New Testament. And it's got a distinct meaning apart from the other three words of power. Dunamis represents the kind of power that is an inherent force. And it flows from a person to give them the ability to do supernatural things like miracles or morally excellent acts. Now, if we look at this, we see this with Elijah and Elisha. Both of them used the mantle to split the sea. In 2 Kings 2 and 8, it says, And Elijah took his mantle, wrapped it together, and he smote the waters, and they were divided hither and thither, so that the two went over on dry ground. 2 Kings 2 and 14 says, and he took the the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had also smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither and Elijah went over. Now here's what we've got to understand. That dunamis power is what was given to us, but we have been talked out of it. I'm going to stop here because I can tell y'all are overwhelmed. That dunamis power is what has been given to each and every one of us. Through who? Holy Spirit. Are y'all tying it back together? Are y'all with me? Holy Spirit has vested in us that dunamis power 
to do the miraculous. The question is, what will we do with what we have? Now, I can tell you, that same dunamis power, Terry and George were there, laid hands on a man in, um, in Tijuana, and what happened? His leg that had gotten run over by a car while he was crossing the freeway, he was high. They ran him over. His leg was crushed. They said they were going to have to cut it off. We laid hands on that man's leg, and he began to move the leg that could not move before. And all he could do was praise the Lord. That's dun- Come on and praise him. That's dunamis power. That's dunamis power. We also saw where I was given a prophetic word to give to a young man. All of a sudden, these dogs came out of nowhere, and they were coming straight for us. Now, the first time the dogs came for me, on another time, I grabbed Nathan, and I threw him at the dog and said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And Nathan's a pretty big dude, so I grabbed him, threw him at the dog, and stood back and was binding from behind Nathan. This time, there was no Nathan to throw. So I had one or two choices. To either stand ten toes down and believe the dunamis power that has been given to me and exert it in that situation or run from those dogs again. This time I decided I'm not backing down. I stopped in the middle of prophesying over that young man and telling him what God had to say. And what I ended up saying to those dogs is I command you in the name of Jesus to cease and desist all operations. In Jesus' name, go. And them dogs went, and they were gone. I got witnesses. I'm not making this stuff up. They were gone. Them dogs left. And then I finished talking to the young men. Now, I'm not going to lie. That dunamis power surprised me. Because when those dogs came up, immediately I felt the fear coming up in me. But I could not let them punk me no more time. Who's with me that's going to stop allowing the devil to punk you? God is no respecter of person. And he expects for you to utilize what's in you. I don't care what it is. It's not stronger than the dunamis power and the exousia power that is in you. you got to align your iscus in order to be able to make all four work together. Four is the number of supernatural capability. Work the four together. And I promise you, you will see the results that you have been praying and believing for. Come on and give them some praise. Stand to your feet. We want to thank you on today for joining us as we go into the word of God to continue to understand our God-given purpose. If you are wanting more information about New Begins Seventh Ministries, please look in our description box for ways to connect with us, whether through our social media outlet or if you're desiring to visit us, whether virtually or in person. We thank you once again. We pray that you have an awesome day and amazing week.